ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's time for What Do You Call It Podcast. Hello, everyone. Before I kickstart this special episode of What Do You Call It podcast after the post uh, i'd like to introduce my co-host for today he's a lifelong wrestling fan like myself the reason i started this podcast and he's one of my best friends please give it up for ryan crooks hey guys great to be on thanks for having me george and uh, yeah so great to actually took this idea and run with it man it's been so cool to watch your videos and great to be on one so yeah can't wait man i'm glad to have you on here now on the main event Today's guest, today's guest is a five-time WCW World Tag Team Champion, one of the most charismatic wrestlers of all time, and a true legend of professional wrestling. Please give it up for Marcus Bagwell. How you doing today, mate? You all good? Hey, man. Thanks a lot, bro. Thank you so much. And uh, every time I hear that, really, I always, every podcast I do, I ask, you know, just because I, I don't like to be, in other words, if you hear my podcast, none of them, there's no lies you can hear in them because you can't you can't you can't fuck up the truth yeah you know so you know uh i you know ain't like i got a pen and pad over here trying to remember my lies so when i tell the the craziest story i ever got it's exactly the same the second third fourth fifth time i tell it because mm -hmm. the truth pretty simple it's easy to tell the truth yeah. That's why I always stuck with the truth on podcasts for two reasons. One, the truth was a hell of a story. And secondly, you didn't get caught in a lie and all jammed up on a podcast and look like a liar. Mm. So that's why I stay very busy with the podcast is because it's it's entertaining, it's 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 real, and and at the same time, people know that it's not me you know lying about something that's crazy like completely off the hook i mean like the shoot my dad story you know i mean mm. if you ever heard that one it never changes because i'm just telling the truth of what happened you know yeah. so uh but uh, that's one thing that makes my podcast uh interesting and and good is because it's just it's just the truth it's just straight up Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of guys like you did earlier, they they want to say, "Hey, is there anything we can't talk about?" And I'm yeah. like, "Nothing. You could ask me anything because, like I said once again, when you tell the truth, there's nothing you should not be able to ask me." And that's the way I put it. That's the way I do it. No, I respect that, and I think so. But thank you, know, you for asking. It's very, it's very nice for you to ask. I just want to shake. Yeah, absolutely. No, 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 no. Don't take me wrong. I I really respect you for saying it. I just really get off on being able to say no. Mm. You know, ask me anything you want, brother. You know, anything. So I'm real excited and thank you for having me on, man. No, thank you for coming on. You so, are one of the reasons that I not I know I said like Brian is the reason I started the podcast, but in terms of being a wrestling fan during the hottest period of all time, which we're never gonna go back to those days when which you're involved in and we will get to there, you know, the NWO. Uh, where you were heavily involved in. But before we do talk about the NWO um, and your wrestling career, I do want to say, um, we do want to send our deepest sympathies um, to you and your family also. Oh, uh, man, you know. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. You know, the older, I'm 51 now, man. And, you know, the older we get, these kind of things are just, it's just life. They yeah. are very, they're going to happen. And, um, you know, I'm um I'm not a huge, you know, like Bible beater and all that, you know, you know, Christian, but I'm a, I got a good, strong walk. And, um, and at the same time, if you do have a good, strong walk of any sort and you believe in the Bible, it is, it's supposed to be a celebration when somebody dies. In other words, yeah. God has chosen you because it's your time. He's chosen you for a good reason. In other words, I have, I should have been, I should have gone a long time ago, brother. I mean, I got two or three car wrecks that I don't know how I lived, you know, and then yeah. and then you take the rest of it of just partying and just life and just bad luck with some things. I mean, it's been some crazy, you know, pretty hairy, you know, in a coma kind of stuff. I mean, stuff that, you know, even my first wife, and my third wife are real big about going, what's his plan for you, bro? <laughs> 
I mean, what the hell does he got planned for you? I mean, my God, there's, there's something big. I can't wait. They're like, well, I can't wait to see it. And I'm like, I don't know, but the cat of nine lives, brother, I've ate that one up. I'm on the cat of 18 lives. It's certainly going to be a good plan. Uh, certainly going to be a good plan for you, Buff, if it's going to be anything like the life you've lived in the wrestling industry. Yes. <laughs> And we've yeah. all talked about the wrestling industry and your career as well. Uh, I mean, how many people can say that their mum was a former WCW Tag Team Champion? Right, yeah. You know, and, and keep in mind, bro, I mean, a minute ago I started saying this and then finish it, but, you know, how close do you think Lex Luger and Scotty Riggs wrestled alike? None. How close do you think Tuco Scorpio and Lex wrestled alike? None. How close did Dale Wilkes, the Patriot, and Scotty Riggs wrestle alike. None. So not to, I'm not trying to, you know, I, I mean, I'm being truthful. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to make it a cool thing, but that meant, that meant I had to adapt. I had to adapt to bring that tag team together and make it a world tag team title and a world tag team championship because of those guys were just, Lex Luger was Lex Luger. Mm -hmm. You know, Scott Norton was Scott Norton. Scotty Riggs was Scotty Riggs. I had to adapt to make the tag team work. And it really, to be honest with you, it made me a much better worker. So I didn't mind it because it just made me have to work harder to, to, to make things work. But nobody, nobody has got six partners and five world titles, bro. And it's, mm -hmm. it's I always mess it up. It's five titles. It's six titles, believe it or not. And they always mess it up. It's six titles with five partners, but five is just stuck. So I don't ever correct nobody. It just, <laughs> it, it just stuck. So, but it's actually, it's actually six titles with five partners because me and the Patriot won it twice. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> so that's why. That's why it's off a little bit. But yeah, but uh, that, uh, I asked a guy the night and somebody was dogging me out on a podcast, and I go, "I said, do me a favor when you get home tonight." I said. Ask your Alexa who you are and see what it says. Do you have an Alexa? Uh, somewhere. I haven't really used it for a very long time. Yeah, if you, ask it, if you ask it who Marcus Bagwell is, it is unbelievable. It goes off and goes, Marcus Bagwell is formerly known as Buff Bagwell. He worked for WCW from 2001 to 2011. He's a five-time World Tag Team Champion. And you're like, I was just joking around when I asked. I had no idea I was on Alexa. You know, I was like, that's pretty fucking cool. That's, that's awesome, cool. man. Yeah. So just, um, and, you know, and to have your face on a Capital One credit card, bro, you don't get much bigger than that, brother. That's pretty strong. But uh, that was back in the good old days when we were just red hot. You know, we were red hot. You know, there was nothing stopping us. And we just hit the right time, the right place. And I, I happened to have the right look at the same time. And me and Scotty both did. And so that's what, you know, the stardom came Awesome, man. I just want to follow up on what you said, because I don't necessarily want this to be like sort of the beginning and the middle. I just want it to be free-flowing. Uh, as you were part of quite a few tag teams over the years, and you've mentioned a few of them, uh, which was your favourite tag team to be in? Uh, sort of, was it Stars and Stripes, American Males, Vicious and Delicious, Totally Buff? This is always, this is always my answer. And I hate my answer. But dude, it's really tough, bro. I mean, I think, I think, and believe it or not, me and Scotty were not world tag team champs. Mm -hmm. Me and Scotty were not one of the six. Um, um, it was, um, it was Tuco Scorpio. It was Scotty Riggs. Excuse me, it was Tuco Scorpio. It was Dale Wilkes twice. And then it was um, Scotty Riggs. And then it was Lex Luger and Shane Douglas. Yeah. And the reason why Shane may not get counted, but the only reason I believe it or remember it is I got a picture of it. Me and Shane have got world tag team belts on and we're holding Jeff Jarrett holding the world title on his shoulder, over his head. So somewhere toward the very end, and I swear to God, I would bet a million dollars that I didn't do that and don't remember it. But me and Shane Douglas were world tag team champions. And I don't remember it. So it had to be right at the very end, bro. How did you find Shane Douglas as a tag team partner? If you did, you know, uh, like I said, I, I like Shane, period. Yeah. I don't remember it. But you don't actually remember the I one. I really think he was like, 
I really think we went over in a match to become champs. Mm-hmm. And then about two weeks later, Vince took it over and it was just kind of mumble jumbled and gone. But counting wise, legal wise, I, it's a, it's six times, you know, with five partners, you know. Awesome. When, yeah. just to go back and rewind the clocks a little bit, when did you first discover wrestling? When did I what? So when did you first discover wrestling? Um, what happened was, is believe it or not, I was a licensed massage therapist. My father were, and my mother were, 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 were very, were very rich growing up. Uh, my mom ran out and father ran a lumber company <laughs> called Southeastern Building Supply back in the 70s, 80s. And um, we were just, I mean, like our, our store made like a million dollars net a month not a year, per month. So we were loaded, but we had a lot of stuff going on, bro. Three boys in sports. We all were super athletes, so it's constantly going to buy new gloves, baseball bats. I mean, you got my three boys that were getting, you know, Corvettes and motorcycles and three-wheelers and all that stuff. So we had a great 17-year life. And then finally, which is the worst time ever, my senior year, is when my family went broke. And so I was like, God, right when I'm getting ready to go to work, you know, for you guys, you go broke. What Mm -hmm. the hell? So my dad said, look, I got enough money to put everybody, you know, kind of in something they would enjoy or think they would enjoy for a future. What do you guys want to do? Well, the other two brothers are seven and five years older than me, which meant they were, you know, 25 and 23. That's grown, that's grown men. I'm 18 years old in high school. How do you know what you want to do the rest of your life in high school? You don't. So, but I came up with massage therapy thinking I could go to sports medicine because it was all sports to me then and maybe become some kind of a, you know, sports trainer or, you know, athletic trainer of some sort and, you know, do that. And then, um, um, so I'm doing that business and it, it becomes just, I'm making money, but I'm not making a living pretty yeah. quick. And I'm at the pool one day, and that's where it's in Missy Hyde's book. She saw me at the pool, and she said, move me wherever the fuck he lives. <laughs> and, I, and so they moved They moved me right, her right across the hall from me. And I don't know how I remember this, bro, but I remember our apartment number, and I have no idea how. We were 1504 and she was in 1505 and she was just got divorced from hot stuff Eddie Gilbert. And so she was moving to the apartment complexes to get away. Well, across the pool one day when I'm laying at the pool, trying to figure out what am I going to do now that this massage thing is not panned out? Keep in mind $10,000 and 10 months to, 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 to make it, you know, and I graduated top of my class, but because I was so good at the biggest thing with, with uh, massage is making the person feel comfortable. Yeah. And I was extremely good with my, with my talk on making them feel comfortable about getting naked and getting between sheets. When I, when I, when I, when I you know, somebody you never met before is getting ready to massage you. And I was very good at that, but I still ran into the women that would walk in, see me and walk straight the hell out. And I was like, wait a second, what's going on? You know, and they'd be like, oh my God, my husband would kill me. I heard I may have some fat on my back. You may see a zit on my back. <laughs> so really having looks, which I thought would go for me, went dead against me. And during that transition of what am I going to do is when Missy saw me and the girl with her, the agent that was with her didn't know I was married either. So that's why I, I came back from the pool when I went just 18 and naive. I went, that's kind of weird. She's moving in right next door. That's weird. It was a brand new apartment complex. And so sure enough, that night she knocks on the door. We let her in and she says, hey, I got to tell y'all something funny, guys. I, I'm sorry. I said, and she goes, first of all, do you know me? And we're like, no, I'm sorry. We don't. You know, And we give her the answer that I've heard a thousand times, which is, we used to watch it when we were younger, but we ain't watched it in a while and, you know, this and that. And uh, well, she explained who she was and and 
I kind of remember you know, her seeing her on TV, but she was like I said, she was a divorced Eddie at the time. And um, so, you know, she just, um, she goes, you should be a wrestler, man. And I go, I said, those fucking guys don't make no money. And she goes, our lowest paid guy makes hundred grand a year. And I said, you want to run that by me just one more time? <laughs> <laughs> and she said, our lowest paid guy's like, hey, I heard you the first time with you. So I go to school and I go down to, to WCW school, which was way before the power plant. It was, a, it was just a warehouse with a shitty ring. And there was only two people getting trained. It was Kevin Ash and a black guy. And that was before Kevin Nash came out as his first gimmick, which was Master Blaster. And there's a lot of people who don't remember that one, but he came out like a bike, like a biker, like a biker with Al Green. And they, he came out with a mohawk and everything as Master Blaster. And um, you know, it just it just you know it didn't really take off. And then the only thing that really he really did for us that really counted a little bit was the Vinny Vegas thing. No, that was good. That was a good little gimmick he had for us. And um, um, but it wasn't gonna get him to superstar him. And Vince loved taking our talent and showing us how bad we messed up and showing us how great, like Stone Cold was mm-hmm. I love him to death, but he'll tell you the same thing. He was always hurt, tore his bicep, tore his hamstring, tore this, tore that. He was always hurt. And um, so that, that was kind of tough, you know. And then Vince takes him, of course, and it, it turns him into Stone Cold. Steve also one of the most popular wrestlers in the history of time, you know. So he loved doing that. Same thing with Nash. Nash was nobody. I was I was beating Vinny Vegas as a as a 5'10, you know, 220-pound guy. And here's a seven foot, 350-pound guy that's had to put me over. And uh, so, you know. It just a lot of luck involved, and um, but uh, he uh, uh, he survived the, the infamous changing gimmicks. So it's like if I ever changed my gimmick, there's no way people wouldn't still call me buff. And that's what happens when you change your gimmick. It don't they don't call you by your new name. They call you by the one you were popular at, which was Milan's Buff Bagwell. You know, so that's. So one reason why we, it's just it's just hard to change your name. To. Well, they just loved that name. WCW did, but they at least allowed me to put Buff in the middle, so it was Marcus Buff Bagwell. Yeah, but I said the Rock is just the Rock. You know, yeah. Stone Cold is Stone Cold. The Undertaker, the Undertaker is the Undertaker. I said I should just be Buff. You know, that simple. But they would not drop the Marcus Bagwell. They just wouldn't do it. So my parents loved it, of course. <laughs> I was like, mother, that's the worst damn name. In the, that's the corniest name in the world. Mark name over. That's pretty tough. <laughs> you did it. I did, though, baby. I, did. <laughs> I got it over, baby. I got, that's the good news is if you can get a name like that over, it sticks. Mm. It sticks. So that was, that was good. It is such an awesome really name, good. to be fair. Hello there. I've got a special announcement for my next guest. Hi there. I'm Nadia Sapphire the Arabic princess and I'm going to be appearing on the What You Call It podcast very soon so make sure you tune in. Yeah. WCW, mainstream, NWO times, you know, the Buff Bagwell era, of course, where you had the flock and all the yes. groups, you know, that was such a cool time in wrestling. Like the NWO is like, personally, probably my biggest thing ever, like my favourite kind of stable in wrestling history. Yes. Um, you know, some of the coolest and biggest names in the whole industry and I mean, one thing I like to personally ask, the one main reason I ask your time in the NWO and if you had some really cool stories to share about maybe being on the road with the likes of Hall and Nash. And people. Um, you know, one of the biggest was getting asked the night to join the NWO. We were in Salisbury, Maryland, and Scotty coming home from the gym had actually taken out the pole that we had to have for television. It was like a, you know, about this big, and, you know, one of those, whatever they call them, I'm not sure what they call them, but they big power surge things. And um, and it just blew it up, and he didn't quite understand, and I was able to talk and everything, but it just it just didn't, um, you know, it just, um, it was it was just tough. You know, it was very tough, but um, um, your question again was, tell me again. 
Well, so like obviously the NWO itself, yeah, it's such a massive history. It's been yeah, about so, so you know, that that would have uh, been the, like, one of the biggest things was getting that. But um, you know, well, it was kind of sad too, though, because I knew and Scotty Riggs knew that once I joined the NWO, it didn't look so good for Scotty. You know, I mean, I mean, he did. He actually made a pretty good run out of it. I mean, he did the the, the flock and he had a pretty good run out of that. And uh, but it's still was kind of the beginning of his end, you know, and I, I felt bad about that. But at the same time, uh, I can't imagine anybody getting asked to be in the NWO and them saying no. <laughs> so oh, I definitely wasn't going to say no. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, but we it just, I mean, really, I had so much fun with all, so many guys. I think me and Scotty had the most chemistry because we get to the building and – and just instantly start talking about what we could do that was absolutely dead against everything. And one night we were in just by pure luck. We happened to be in St. Louis at the Kemper Arena, which is where uh, Owen Hart died. Yeah. Oh. That's where he fell and died. And we were there the next night. And um, so at the same time, he um, they uh, he had just won the home. We're in the same building in St. Louis, so of course we I dress up like McGuire and we do the whole McGuire skit and everything, you know. And it was just great, good shit, you know. But me and but the problem was all the other boys they started trying to do their shit, and it wasn't near as good as me and Scotty. So Eric had to call for a meeting and say, "Look, guys." From now on, you can't wing it. You got to go by your agent. And of course, he said, everybody but Buff and Steiner. And I went, I mean, every guy was like, you know, like, what the fuck? You know, so we, we, I was like, dude, I don't look at me. I mean, we just, just because we do better stuff than y'all did, don't get mad at us, you know. But everybody had to get checked except me and Scotty had free reigns. And we came up with the craziest, wildest, funnest stuff. Yeah, some of them, some of them moments were so cool. I mean, just going very quickly back, um, Buff, when obviously you first joined the NWO on that night when Eric sort of said, "Anyone want to come and join us and leave behind?" And he done the net breaker on on Scotty Riggs. Yes. Did, did you feel like that was like a real one night launching pad for the rest of your career? Like, did you feel that moment was always going to be? But next oh, week, it, it was explained to me that that was going. I was going to be. In the NWO. Now, whether the NWO may have flopped in a couple of weeks, nobody really knew, knew at that stage, but it was, I, I was like the seventh, sixth or seventh member. So yeah. we also knew that it had gotten pretty hot. So we thought it was going to stick around for sure, you know, but, uh, but Sky come back in, you know, going, you know, like he was really upset, you know, because he knew, you know, that it was not good, not too good for him, but, um, at the same time, man, I'm out there with, you know, all these top talent guys. I mean, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, X-Pac, Bischoff, um, you know, I mean, um, you know, the, the Giant. Um, it just, it just, it was just so wild to see that much talent out there and to be part of it. It, it felt like, to be honest with you, like, that's where I was supposed to be. You know, I want to be here and I feel like I deserve to be there at that stage. And I did, you know, so it worked out great. Great, great. I mean, it was great times. I mean, great childhood memories. Oh, you guys were God. literally rock and roll stars. Like, oh, we, just... we were completely, I mean, completely rock and roll stars. I mean, it was unbelievable. I mean, for the first time in wrestling history, I never heard the thing. I never heard, hey, man, is wrestling fake? Nobody even cared. Wrestling was just so cool that it just didn't matter. Like, like it should be like every day, but you know, well, we had about five years where we didn't have to defend pro wrestling, and that was huge not to be able to defend it. You know, just hey, look, if you like it, great. If you don't, leave me the fuck alone and get the fuck out of my face. You know, but up until that point, you had to defend it. And is wrestling real or not? Is it predetermined? They don't look at the point of there's still two, 300-pound guys that are going at it wide open in there. And all that's called, the only thing that's done is the finish. The ending is predetermined. The rest of it, y'all sit down and go over. So it, it really did, you know, it really did um, 
not get the respect that it deserved from how hard we really worked. You know, if you slip and fall, brother, you slip and fell on live TV. And you had to try to make it look cool or fix it. <laughs> so it was um, really, it really was a, a, a big learner for me and, and helped me out tremendously. And, and, um, and when they put me in the group of those guys, I knew I had to step up a notch, you know, so that really helped me tremendously. One thing I, I think associated with the NWO is the iconic theme song. But another iconic theme was your theme song. Uh, when I think a lot of fans, uh, when they think of Buff Bagwell, they instantly think of your theme song. Um, I want to know, did you actually have uh, much hand in the creation of the theme apart from your vocal parts? No, none, zero. All of, all of it was Jimmy Hart. He came up with the vocal parts and everything. And the night I cut that was the exact same night I broke my neck. Oh, bloody hell. In, 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 in Columbia, South Carolina, I go do that in the back room. I cut my part where I've got to say, you know, I'm Buff Daddy. I'm Buff, I'm the stuff, you know, all that stuff. Love that. I had to add really that into the song <laughs> and, um, and, and literally walked out, wrestled, and got paralyzed. And I was like, what in the hell? This is, you know, I'm real big on not asking God why. Because you get caught up with whys with God, and you're going to be sitting there a long time, you know. I mean, why is my son retarded and their son isn't? Why Why is my son an athlete and their son isn't? You know, why is my son good looking and their son's not? I mean, you know, why you can just go on and on, man. It's a bad, why is a bad thing to get caught up with a, with a prayer or conversation with God? And so I stayed away from that. But when I was laying there paralyzed, trust me, it was all I could do not to go, Hey, you know, why are you doing this to me, big man? Why is this the, is this the plan? And I didn't want, I never wanted to say why. I still haven't asked why to this day, but I came up with this. I said, is this really the route that you had planned for me to go out at the height of pro wrestling and the height of my career? And I never got no answer back physically or mentally or Holy Spirit wise or anything, just I just got back in the ring and I had two daughters tell me to quit. And the third daughter was a female of all things. And she said, Yeah, you, you probably should quit. And I went, Well, that's it, three for three. And she goes, But at the same time, you need to quit taking a shower. You need to quit driving a car. You need to, do I'm thinking, I mean, what is she talking about? Well, then it finally hit me. She meant quit living. Because what you've got wrong with you, yeah, you get paralyzed again, but no different than getting paralyzed again for, for you know, getting hit really hard and maybe causing a, you know, a, a neck fusion, you know, that needed, that could be fixed. My two could be fixed. They were at three, four, and six, seven, and they got fixed with uh, my, they, believe it or not, the hip surgery is 20 times worse. 20, bro, I'm not shitting you, months, months after my neck was back. And I already started gaining weight again from being in the gym. But I come out hobbling and people go, what happened to your leg, man? And they go, if, you're if, you're, if your hips hurt, why are you limping? I go, well, baby, you know, it just, my neck got, medically what they call it is a bruised spinal cord. My cervical disc hit my cord and instead of severing it and making me paralyzed, it just hit it. And when you hit it, it causes, you know, swelling. So by the time I left the hospital, I was standing up and posing. And he said, just go slow at first and I uncross my legs and just start to set up and do a breath for a minute. And it don't take me too long to get going. So I got going, but, um, you know, it just, um, it was it was a it was a real big eye opener, bro. That that's that eleven minutes laying there paralyzed is a big deal, bro. Eleven minutes is a long time, man. Man, that, that is that is scary. When it happened as well, I mean, it was just you know, I think people forget like you know yeah. how dangerous wrestling is, and uh, you, know, you put your bodies on the line for our entertainment, but the sacrifices yes. that you do. Yes. Hello there. I've got a special announcement for my next guest, ladies and gentlemen. The big, thick, chalky daddy. The sexual, intergalactic sex symbol. The hot, brown, cocoa bear, chocolate thunder will be appearing under, what do you call it? 
podcast. Yeah, heard. I want to know what was your time like in Global Wrestling Federation? I do remember seeing VHS confirmation uh, of GWF. Uh, to my surprise, yeah. I saw he's the handsome stranger being attacked by Raven, who was called Scott yes. Anthony, dressed like a woman. Only in wrestling, right? Uh, I certainly fight to see Buff Bag on Raven before your WCW days. But what was it like, GWF? Well, first of all, we really, we really thought we were going to be like um, ECW in that being. We were going to be the the third, the third one in line. Uh, it was going to be WWF, WCW, and and GWF. So we thought for sure. I mean, brother, we had we were on ESPN. At a four o'clock time slot on Fridays, mm-hmm. and we, you know uh, we had a lot of money behind us, um, so we really thought we were going to make a you know, and we had a lot of good talent. I mean, from hot stuff Eddie Gilbert to some young guys to the Patriot to you know Harlem Heat to they were just called they were the Ebony Express, I think. There uh, we had Lightning Kid, which was X Pac. Um, so we had a lot of great guys there, you know, and uh, including myself and. And that's when I really started learning. So the GWF was huge to me because it showed me that I literally could do this. And and, and again, I finally realized, look, you know, you're only as good as you work. You're, and that's, Ric Flair told me that story years, years ago. Ric Flair told me that story. And it's so true because you're only as good as who you work, bro. You can be Ric Flair. And if you're not working somebody that knows how to work, you're not going to have as good of a match. Yeah. Because you're just doing so much you can do and not look stupid at the guy. I don't know what he's doing, but the GWF was a lot of fun to me. The, the mask, I was a little bit, it was a little weird. Even Steve Olsen goes, we take the best looking guy in the company and we put a mask on him. <laughs> what the hell are we thinking, you know? But uh, at the same time, it worked. It was cool. Uh, and I, of course, I created some cool stuff to bring masks over it, and you know, and I wore short tights then, and things like that. So it, it was a lot of fun to me, and I learned so much from a lot of the older wrestlers, a lot of the legends back then, hot stuff, and and um, just different guys, you know, uh, you know, uh, Big Bart, and just 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 so many older legend guys that I learned so much from, and so I got to learn a lot there, and plus that. I walked into the dressing room the first time I was there, and the babies and heels were in the same dressing room. And I said, wait a second. You mean tell me we can talk a little bit? <laughs> and I said, shit, I got this. So that's when, that's when if you ever went back and looked at my matches as Fabian, to handsome stranger, they literally were like daylight and dark. Mm-hmm. Because I went from being average to being really good because you're able to talk about a few things and be on the same page instead of going out like two green idiots trying to make it happen. So um, I really learned so much there and it really bumped me up a lot and um, it helped me out a lot. And as a matter of fact, I got hired from WCW out of the GWF, you know, so um, that's, all came about so but we weren't around but about three or four months mm. but we really thought we were going to be the next you know competitive you know company oh, awesome, man. Great, great company i loved working for them and um i thought it had a great name and just everything was really good i mean we had a lot of i said a lot of stuff like cactus jack was there uh rip rogers i mean just a lot of big names were there dude so we thought we had a chance of being the next big company you know Awesome, my man. Uh, one yeah. thing I'm going to ask, cause, just because it's, it's right in front of me, and I think you know I'm going to ask, what made you decide to get a top hat? And, I mean, back in WSW when you used to have, like, your face on it, it was definitely something unique. Uh, I, I fucking loved it. Um, but yeah. I want to know what made you sort of <laughs> pull it How did you top put it off, hat, by the way? Top hat, believe it or not, was a complete accident. It was a – I was a big um, fitted, fitted ball cap person. I loved all kind of ball caps that were kind of different – they were fitted mm-hmm. and um, you wear them backwards and they have like, you know, Ole Miss or, you know, uh, Cal or Georgia or, you know, if you turned it around, it was a bulldog on the front or, but I always wear my hats backwards and stuff, but I was a big hat freak. And then one day I was with my second wife in there. It was called lids. 
it was in with the hat company and uh, they're still around. They're a big company. And they said, um, she goes, and then, I mean, the top hat was like on the top shelf, way in the back. And she goes, why don't you try that top hat on? And so I said, well, here, Aunt Jimmy, you know, and I put it on. And for some reason, I can't explain why it looked absolutely incredible. on me. <laughs> And I went, man, that looks pretty damn cool. And I didn't really think right there, like, I can make this part of wrestling. Yeah. I didn't think, I just thought, I'm going to at least buy this hat. I mean, I'm rich. You know, I, had, I was making money. So it wasn't going like, you know, to hurt me. So I said, I'm just going to buy this hat just to, just to see what I can do with it. Well, about that time is when I broke my neck and had to become, I had to start reaching for things like the overalls. Um, when I came out with the overall stuff, mm. I had to get creative because I'd lost 50 pounds over breaking my neck. And that's when the top hat really came into play was just have another avenue of stardom and something else that I, I call it leaving a dent. Mm. And this top hat left a dent. I mean, this top hat's on action figures. I mean, to this day, you know, and I know there's nobody, nobody. Not even The Rock could put the top hat on without somebody saying, hey, that's that hat that Buff Bagel wore, you know? Yeah, so so that's hard to get in this business, bro. It's Everybody's tried everything. Everybody's done everything. So to get something that really sticks to your own, that's yours. And my mother is who thought of putting my face Hey, just love it. Sorry, <laughs> He's got it on there. Sorry, like, the teenager of oh, me just wants that right now. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'd, always, I'd, always, I'd always come out and be like, Daddy, Daddy. So my mom, my mom thought of that. And that was kind of... Got to be professional, sorry. That was kind of... You know, so we did the, the, the hat, the face on top, and it just kind of went from there, and people loved the top hat. So we just... I mean, then even when, I, even when WWF ended... I went on to the independent circuit. I really thought I could kind of get rid of the hat and not be a hassle. I showed up in my first show and the guy goes, where's your hat? And I said, I didn't bring it. He goes, you didn't bring your hat? So I found out pretty quick that the hat got booked and I just happened to come along with it. <laughs> so, that's, how, <laughs> that's cool. I mean, that hat made for such a cool entrance. Like I used to love the way that you used to like, show the face and then almost be always talking to the camera on your way yeah, down the aisle. Yeah, yeah. So they like saying, like, I'm the staff, I'm so they, sexy they, and all this. It was just, it was so cool. It just worked. They tried so hard to get me to quit talking in the camera. Here's 20 million people and here's 30 or 40,000. Now, that's pretty simple math to me, but they didn't want me to talk into the camera. And I'd always go, okay, and went straight back out there and talked into it again. Till what? finally the speech <laughs> came down and said, if Buff wants to talk into the camera, let Buff do what he wants. Mm. And every agent looked at me like they could kill me. And I won the war of who gets to talk on the camera or not, you know? So, yeah, but it was, uh, it was a lot of fun to be able to, you know, because it, it was different. Nobody did it. I don't know why. I mean, I'm, I want to talk to 20 million. I want 20 million to see me. Look at me. I, if you remember, I'd come out and I'd bring the camera toward me. Mm. You know, like, During the know, matches, or he's bump back well, giving it the big in the corner. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I'd talk shit in the ring and come out and go, God, I look good. Do not adjust your screen. I am this good looking. So it's part of a gimmick, though, man. Like you had the physique for it and everything, you know, you're in great yeah. shape and it just got it worked so well. You it know? did, it just worked, it just worked. And they really, really tried to get me to quit doing it. And I just never stopped until finally the suits came down and said, Look, you keep you do what you want. And I said, Thank you, you know. <laughs> I bet it wasn't as fun then afterwards, but after when you could no, now that I got now that I got people okay for it, it was like, ah, I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I like breaking. I like breaking the rules. <laughs> oh, that's cool, eh, man. That's cool, eh? uh, Just a few more questions, and then I'll let you enjoy the rest of your day because I know it's what five or six at your time. Um, yeah. You actually had like a, a really great finisher, uh, the Buff Blockbuster. Yeah. How did you come up with that? Because uh, it was definitely a move that we hadn't actually seen, uh, to my recollection, anyway, in WWE. Yeah. Or yeah. In yeah. WWE. And you know what? I've seen the WWE guys use it a lot, kind of mm -hmm. like a high spot. 
Um, I've seen Seth Rollins use it, and yeah. I've seen uh, Bobby Bobby Roo use it. Um, just kind of like a high spot, you know. And it was really cool to see that. And of course, they're not going to get they're not going to put me over by saying the Buff Blockbuster, but they call it the Blockbuster, you know. And and so to see those guys use it, it's kind of cool. And um, but uh, what happened was is I came up like the night that that Eric White, I mean that Eric Bischoff said, "Hey, thirty days, then it's over," and all that. Mm-hmm. And I hit Scotty with I was I was I, I was a big Rick Rude fan, and I would take not just Rick Rude, I'd take every wrestler and take something from that wrestler and create it and make it mine, you know. Just quickly, and does that explain the airbrush tights? Believe it or not, no. Huh. That 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 was Scott Norton. Uh, Norton found a guy that came up with the airbrush stuff, and I said, Scott that stuff is not going to last through a wrestling match. And, dude, he found a guy that that shit lasted more than the tights did. You know, the paint would still look great, and the tights would be wore out. You know, so uh, he really found a guy that and, – and they came up with those brick wall pants that were great. Mm. You know, those were on a lot of stuff that were real popular. And But, yeah, that was actually Scott Norton is who got me on that. And um, we had a guy that did our tights, but no, it wasn't that from Rick. Hmm. Um, it was just, I liked the way he worked. I, I liked it. I loved it. the neck breaker finish, the rude awakening. I liked that. So I wanted to do something like that, but make it different. Yeah. I'd try to make it a little bit different, you know? So we came off the ropes with it as the neck breaker. And me and Scotty Riggs literally practiced it in a hotel room on the beds like i jump off the bed and give him a, give him a neck breaker you know off the bed and, and, and the but we never practiced it in the ring until i hit him with it and sold out in cedar rapids iowa so the first time i hit him with that was the first time i really ever tried it wow so yeah but it was called the it was called the and then disco named it the buff blockbuster so, it, um, yeah, it was just that, – that's where it came from was Rick Rude's Rude Awakening and trying just to make it a little cooler or a little more high-flying high, high flying and uh, a little more cool. And, and, and that's where it came from, but it came from Rick Rude. Oh, I love it, man. Yep, the blockbuster. I'm sure you're aware of this, boss, but that move used to look so awesome on every video game that it was on. <laughs> yeah, oh, yes, absolutely. I used to make that motion look so cool to Blockbuster. It was, uh, it yes, was always a favorite yes. of mine for any creator wrestler. They're finishing dance, movies. Hey, you had to get the dance in there, too, you know. The dance, please explain the dance. I, I've got to know because I used to do it as a kid. The dance is actually a really good story. The dance is as Marcus Alexander Bagwell. And like, for example, in Baltimore, Maryland, I would get booed out of the building. Mm-hmm. They hated baby faces. So I go back there one time as on a house show as Buck Bagwell, the new, you know, NWO member. And I'm Buck now. And I go out and I knew because I'd gotten pretty good. Mm-hmm. And I knew a lot of the guys were watching. And because seeing it kind of buzzed me that, hey, the guys are going to be checking you out tonight. So really turn it up, you know. So I was just, me and we've been playing and joking around all day. And so I just went out and just as much as you can turn yourself into the next level of a person, I did that night. And when I got to the back, Sting goes, man, that is it. You've got it. I go, what I do? He said, man, you did this really crazy dance. And I said, what? And so I literally had to get a videotape of the show and watch it back and imitate what I did. And then it became part of my deal. After everybody, like I'd arm drag somebody and I'd hop up real fast and go into it, you know. You know, they hit, they hit, the, hit the pose, you know. And it became it became part of it, but I didn't even know I had done it. I don't know where it came from. It was just completely inner buff Bagwell that just this just this motion just came out, and it was kind of funny and kind of cool and entertaining. And we did it, and it worked, and the guys loved it, so I kept doing it. 
I love it. I, I got honestly, the, man, I wish I could do it. The buff strut. The buff strut, baby. <laughs> Uh, awesome, my man. Um, I'm going to let Ryan, my co-host, ask you the last question uh, for okay. you. Because yes. uh, I'm a nice guy. I'm checking. <laughs> one, thing I, one thing I'd love to know, and I, I, try, I touched on it very slightly earlier around the NWO times, but you hear about Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, um, Hogan, uh, all them kind of guys having some, ex-Park especially as well, having some kind of crazy life outside of the ring. Um what would you say is some of the maybe your favourite or craziest memories of these guys on the road, like having nights out with these guys, you know, drinking with these guys? Tell me something really cool about hanging with the NWO. You know, um, everybody, that's at the stage where everybody was kind of trying not to get in trouble. So everybody was trying to kind of like hide. Like Nash was, you know, he, he was, you know, doing his thing and I'm doing my thing, and Luger's doing his thing, and of course, you know, it got to where, you know, um, we run we run in each other in the hallways of the hotel with an empty ice bucket going, where are you going? Oh, I was getting some ice, you know, and we were probably going to a girl's room or go do something else, but, but together, um, we didn't do that a whole, a whole, whole lot. Um, it was at the building we did that because right. we, had, we had eight hours to kill. So we'd go to the car, you know, and, and you know, pop a beer and have some fun and talk and have fun. But um, Hogan really never did a whole lot with us. But we would always go in his room before we went out together and was able to go out and, you know, and have a uh, go to his room and, you know, uh, have, a few, have a few beers, a few cocktails, and then and then the whole NWA was able to go out to the ring and with Hogan. But um, crazy and fun and all that, it just, um, we really, there really wasn't a whole bunch of them. Um, it was more just having fun and just, we, 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 you know, we went to clubs every night. It was a club. I mean, it's either go to your hotel room and go to sleep or go to a club. And I wasn't about to go to the hotel and go to sleep, so I'm going to the club. So, you know, especially when you're Buff Bagwell, I'm, I want to go out, you know? It wasn't so, just a gimmick. Uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They live, they live in the gimmick. And, uh, but, but no, we had a lot of fun and all that, no doubt about it. But you'd be surprised how little all of us got together. Like, they'd be like, you know, me and Lex, Nash and Hall, you know, mm -hmm. or be me and Lex and Nash. Or, you know, me, Nash, Hall, and uh, X-Pac. And Lex wasn't there or something. You know, so it was, it really was never the whole gang. Um, and me and Norton were, you know, vicious and delicious. And so it always made up for five people. So it was, we always had to get two rental cars. So me and Norton would always follow those guys and we'd always be together, you know. Awesome, man. But we had a lot of fun, man, a lot of fun. Oh, man, it's literally... Some of the best times of my life, just watching oh the NWO, God. watching Buff Bagwell, the seconds with you and Steiner. Like, there's just so much that you did in your career. Um, which, in that era, I think I said at the beginning, it's never ever going to be replicated or matched again. Never. And, never. and to be honest with you, I'll be honest with you, you will, you will not get another wrestler to ever say this, ever, ever get to say this. But I really don't want to say the words I was part of the biggest thing that ever that wrestling ever did. I would like to be able to say, hey, I was part of one of the <laughs> biggest things in professional wrestling. I'd love to see something come along and take over NWO. The problem is, after this many years, I think what you're saying is the truth. I think the NWO is going to be the hottest thing that wrestling ever saw. And it just is. It just is. And um, I said, I still hope that there'll be something else that comes along and beats it, makes it better, and wrestling mm. gets cool again. But it ain't like I want to go, hey, you know, I'm I'm part of the biggest thing that ever happened in wrestling. I'd much rather be able to say, oh my God, I'm I'm one of the biggest things that happened in wrestling, and and that you know this happened cooler, and this was cool, and then mm. the NWO too, you know. But instead, it's just nobody's topped the NWO, bro. And it's, and in my opinion, it's not it's not going to happen anytime soon. And it's not going to happen anytime soon at all. Nah, nah man. Uh, Ryan, thank you for being a brilliant co-host. Um, honestly, if you told me and Ryan... So for, um, uh, <laughs> me on, man. Appreciate it. 
No, oh, no problem, man. Thank you guys so but, much, man. Thank but, you. But so thank much. you for coming on. Obviously, I know you've been going for a lot at the moment, um, but to make the time for the podcast it means a lot to us. Uh, if you Dude. told us ten years ago we'd be interviewing Buff Bagwell on a wrestling podcast, like fucking yeah, right? Like no way, man. Yeah, it's no, happened, I, man. I, I, and I'm going to be sharing I, I the shit that's in you. <laughs> I appreciate you guys asking me. So thank you guys very, very much. No worries, my man. More than welcome. It's been an absolute pleasure. Awesome. So for everyone that's listened to this episode, thank you. There's going to be more episodes of What You Call It podcast coming up very soon. Um, yes. For now. Buff, is there any last hey. words you want to say quickly? <laughs> for, for me, for me, if you want anything to do with me or try to get in touch with me, I'm easy. Um, go to MarcusBuffBagwell.com. Mm-hmm. That goes straight to my website, which goes to all my social media stuff. It takes you to my Twitter, my Instagram, and my Facebook so just remember MarcusBuffBagel.com and takes you to my website. Then from there, you can go anywhere you want to go. So check that out. And we also sell, I got five volumes of DVDs from me and Scorpio to Stars and Stripes to uh, American Males to, um, uh, you know, Business and Delicious to everything. So just a lot of great stuff on there and uh, even a singles one of me. But um, um, there's actually a new um, action figure company that just came out. And I'm going to have three different ones because of my tag team partners. Is that Chella so, Toys? Yeah. They're oh, do, fucking yeah. awesome. Like that that has probably retro style. Yeah, they're going to do like an American Mail one. And they're going to do a Stars and Stripes. And they're actually going to do a Judy Bagel and Buff one. Fucking awesome. Oh, that's cool, man. I didn't that know that, awesome? by the way. So thank you for sharing that's that. Awesome, that's awesome, dude. So we just found out that yesterday. So, um, oh, man. That's, that's fucking that's awesome. Gonna be, that's going to be awesome as shit. I mean, I mean, come on. Let's be honest. I mean, there's not many wrestlers that can say their mother has an action figure, you know? So that's pretty cool. That's pretty uh, cool. I'm looking forward to the release of that. That's that's awesome. So I'll yeah. put the details in the description below. Um, but once again, thank you both for coming on today. More episodes come out soon. But for now, everyone, too sweet. Boom, baby. For life. The following podcast is brought to you by the Jonas Podcasting Network. Found exclusively at wrestlingwithjonas.com. 